Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 46 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. We greatly appreciate if you could subscribe to the show, share it around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. As always, we greatly appreciate everybody that downloads, listens, and shares the show. Um, you guys have been absolutely great in supporting us because uh, we know it's a really busy market. Joining me today is my co-host as usual, my good friend Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you? I am doing well, Larry. I talked about Taylor Swift all afternoon, so I'm in a great mood. That's excellent. Jeremy, we got a we got a busy, busy weekend coming up. We got three big shows with tons of potential on them that we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, I do want to ask you, how is the new T-Swift album? Is it life-changing as I've heard? It, it is. It's amazing. Uh, I, I did a, a plug here. Mark Radulich, he does a, a metal podcast, and Taylor Swift is the furthest thing from metal, but he allowed me on to do a track-by-track review of the entire album, and it was a great time, so you can go check that out. I think it's. I know it's on Spreaker, I think it's on iTunes and all that stuff. Just uh, search for Metal Hammer of Doom or Taylor Swift or whatever, or follow me on Twitter, at JeremyLambert88, and... You can find it there as well. So it was a great time. The album is amazing. Um, I can't stop listening to it. And yes, you should you should listen to it, Larry. I don't know if Hannah or Alex are going to listen to it, but uh, you should you should play it for them, and I'm sure they will enjoy it. I'm sure I'll eventually check it out. I know Dan Patrick listened to it for like two days straight. He's a big fan of it, so it's uh, obviously you, you love go. it. Dan Patrick gave it a seal of approval, so I will probably check it out. Before we start real quick, I gotta I have to dunk on our good friend Brian Rose from the Wrestling Observer site. Brian's a good friend, but uh he he was talking about some stuff on Twitter and I gotta say that he's getting dunked on for the simple fact that he has vanilla ice cream like cold takes. He he never goes out on a limb. Brian, you just you let me down. If you wanna harass Brian on Twitter, he's at BR twenty six. And but for real, he does some really good work over at the Observer site. I love Brian, but yeah, he has vanilla cold ice cream takes, so I saw you. I saw you tweeting at him, and you were you were harsh. You were coming after this man for no reason. I know Brian, and he, he is a very good guy. And you just, I, it was weird you calling him out like that. I was like, what? What happened to Larry tonight? Yeah, no, Brian knows. I, I I love joking with Brian. He's a really good guy. He's one of the he's one of the guys like me and Ian Hamilton that'll be up at uh the ass and crack of dawn to review new Japan shows and all the live stuff. So yeah, he's a really good guy. So, but seriously, follow him at BR 26 on the Twitter machine. He's a good dude. We like Brian. So he does a lot of good work over there. Uh, but Jeremy, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We have new Japan pro wrestling, Royal quest, NXT takeover, Cardiff and AEW all out three big shows, tons of potential for the weekend. And we will just go in order of start times, which is going to be New Japan Pro Wrestling Royal Quest 2019, airing at, I believe, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the Fight TV. Uh, It will be available later on Video On Demand on New Japan World. Uh, But the only way to watch it live or on... uh, you know, on a couple hour delay, depending on what you're watching Saturday, will be Fight TV. Um, it's a pretty, really, it's a really loaded card overall. It's a very New Japan card from start to ball, um, finish. 
We start off, Jeremy, show Yo and Rocky Romero versus your boy, Ren Narita, my boy, Shooter Umino, and the ass man, Taguchi. You gotta give the win to Rapongi 3K, 3K, 3K here, and I figured a young lion will eat the pinfall. It should be Shooter, because he, without Moxley, he is a lost little boy and doesn't know what he's doing. Please. Ren Narita <laughs> still needs to work on that hair game, but yeah, li- likely him or Shooter is uh, taking the pin here. Um, yeah, I'd probably be a good opener because um, the-, the Lions are really good. Taguchi's always over. Shoyo and Rocky Romero are great and work really well together. Uh, should be, you know, no problem for them to have a good match. And again, a, a perfect New Japan style card opener. And uh, real quick on the Young Lions, Jeremy, they're bringing back the Young Lions Cup for the upcoming Destruction Tour. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. It seems kind of like it's meant for a Shota or Renarito win, but you never know. And there's some some good talent in there. And we talked about this with the um, the the G1 or not the G1, the the best of Super Juniors when when Narita was in that, and even the New Japan Cup when uh, Shota was in that. Like the young lions, they they work within their limits. They're rarely going to have like a bad match, and I realize they're going up against other young lions here. They're rarely going to have like a bad match though, and so it'll be a, a good little addition to the Destruction Tour. Yeah, I think the early favorites would be Ren Narita, Shooter Umino, and I think possibly Carl Fredericks from the LA Dojo. Because they seem pretty high on him, and he picked up some wins on the G1 tour and stuff. So, um, yeah, um, I'm excited for that. I, I like the last one. Um, so it'll be a fun addition to the Destruction Tour. And I will go with the three boy, 3K three boys as well for the opener. Up next, Juice Robinson and Kota Ibushi versus Yujiro Takahashi and Hikaleo. Hikaleo has been on excursion in the UK recently, so it will be interesting to see how he's improved. He obviously has really good size. Um, the problem with him right now is kind of that size. He has, he's not bad, but there are some coordination issues at times where he kind of feels like, um, you know, when you get like a big dog, Jeremy and, but when they're a puppy, you know, they are small, but they have those like giant puppy feet and they're like tripping over themselves a lot. That's kind of Hikaleo right now in terms of footwork and coordination. So excursion into UK and getting to work uh, with some different people is probably good for him. It's very much a Bullet Club E team versus two established stars. So I think it's pretty academic here. Juice and Abushi should pick up the win. Uh, hopefully Juice actually gets the pin here because I think he needs a little rebound following the ass whooping Moxley gave him heading out of Japan. There's only one big dog that I recognize in the world of professional wrestling, and that's Roman Reigns, who is still alive despite multiple attempts on his life in recent weeks on WWE television. Juice and Coda, probably an easy win here. I'm with you that Juice should pick up the victory. Coda doesn't really need a pinfall in Juice. Juice should come out in the opener and just beat the shit out of Shota and be like, where's your father at? He's nursing his elbow injury. He can't hack it. And then, you know, that sets up the, the big third match with Moxley. I would actually be perfectly fine, like, after the opener, if they had his Heyman into the second match and Juice came out and kicked the shit out of him. That would actually play really well. It's not a New Japan thing so much, but uh, I wouldn't mind it at all. So, not a bad idea. Next up, Jeremy, a match with a ton of potential. Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasma, the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, versus Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles. 
Uh, this one, if you guys have been paying attention, uh, Robbie Eagles was part of Bullet Club. He left with issues, uh, following issues with Phantasmo, which led him to joining Chaos, which is a, a really good story overall because Osprey was the guy that wanted to bring him into New Japan after working with him in Australia. And then when Eagles came in, he ended up joining Bullet Club. <coughs> and then on the Best of Super Juniors tour, you basically had Robbie Eagles trying to kind of do a fair play Yano thing. He didn't want to resort to all the Bullet Club tricks. And El Fantasma was, you know, more than willing to try to keep him on the dark side. They did the big face turn when they did the shows in Australia. And he's now reunited with Osprey. Definitely a potential banger on paper. Really looking forward to this match. We unfortunately did not get to see the the New Japan Cup. I think that's going to be out, in, or not, geez, uh, the Super, Super J, J Cup. Cup. Yeah, that's going to be out in September. And from what I heard, obviously Osprey sounded like he kill it. Sounded like Phantasmo had a uh, a strong tournament, and we know Phantasmo cost. Um, spoiler alert: Phantasmo wins. He cost Osprey the the matchup in the semifinals. Um, so. <laughs> They've got the rivalry going. You set up the the rivalry with uh, Robbie Eagles throwing in there as well. Ishimori is obviously in there, so should be a, a great, great match. Osprey is obviously gonna bring it, being in the the UK and everything. So I I don't have uh, an Eagles as well, like and and Phantasmo. Like I don't have really any doubts about this match. Yeah, and of course with uh, Ishimori and Phantasmo being the junior tag champions. Uh, obviously, a win by Osprey and Eagles could set up a future rematch for the titles, which, again, I think that is what's going to happen because why not book more than one match between these four guys? Yeah, and the fact that the titles aren't on the line here, like if you're going to put Phantasmo and Ishimori over, you may as well just put the titles on the line and, and give them a defense. But since they're not on the line, it's kind of... I, I know New Japan actually likes to have like an earn-it type thing, but I think in, in this case, like you could easily just put the titles on the line. But if you're going to have uh, Fanta- or if you're gonna have Eagles and, and Osprey win, it makes more sense to give them the victory and then uh, set up the rematch with the belts on the line. Agreed. Next up, Naito and Sonata versus Jay White and Chase Owens. Naito will be defending his IC title against Jay White on the Destruction Tour, so this is part of the setup for that. They also did some of the setup during the Super J Cup final night. Um, and uh, it's uh, I'm really interested to see how this one works out. I think, obviously, Chase Owens is here to be the workhorse dude, like always, and take the pinfall, which is fine. That's his rule. But I am more fascinated to see how they book this overall because we've kind of talked about... Um, the at the G1 finals, you know, Sonata was the big confident one leading the LIJ salute, and there's been a lot of speculation about a potential LIJ split in the future, and we kind of talked about that when we reviewed the G1 final. And it would be really interesting to see how that shakes out and if that is going to be something they lightly tease for the rest of the year because that's a potentially big angle, especially with Hiromu rumored to be coming back soon. Because if you split everything up, I think the initial split between the group would be Naito, Shingo, and Bushi, and then Evil Sonata and Hiromu on the other side. You've got to do something with Naito right now. He's not like cold or anything, but his spot in the pecking order has certainly been dropped from where it was. I mean even at Wrestle Kingdom, but certainly at uh, Wrestle Kingdom last year where everyone thought he was going to get the title. Um, And now he's like... I mean, he's obviously behind Okada. 
He's behind Abushi. He might even be behind Jay White. Uh, Kenta is even kind of hot right now, and I don't know how long that'll last. But Naito has fallen back a little bit compared to, and, and I mean Tanahashi is always going to be up there above everybody outside of Okada. So he's fallen back a little bit. I, I'd like to. I hope they do some type of Lij split. I, I'm with you on this one. Like Sonata maybe picks up the victory over Owens, and that kind of. I don't know how how he gets the victory as far as how the the final sequence plays out, but they, they could easily work something where Naito is like, okay, like why why did you do that type of type of thing? And it doesn't have to be as blatant as a uh, WWE will will sometimes do it where he steals the the pinfall from his uh, partner or anything like that. But with Lij, you can see the the subtle hints of, of something like that playing out. Uh, I figure Naito it, it serves as a preview for Naito and White since they're gonna face in uh, destruction and Kobe. Um, but overall, should should be a good match. Um, the the Lij guys are gonna be over. Jay White is gonna be booed out of the building, and Chase Owens is is gonna be there. Yeah, I, I think I mean it doesn't have to be super blatant, but you could also you could do something to where like. They're having a uh, like a decent home stretch. Naito hits Destino, and then Sonata hits the moonsault and takes the pin. Right, right. You know, just something like that. But yeah, there's a lot of ways you can go. I'm really fascinated because I think the winners are pretty academic here with Naito and Sonata because you know Chase Owens is in the match. No disrespect to Chase, I like him a lot. He works really hard, and he's great in the tag matches. But I mean, that's what he's here for. But again, I'm really fascinated with the booking to see if they continue to lightly tease this and how far they're going to go with it. Chase Owens coming off a match where he was carried by the great Shane Taylor. That's right. The, the real best in the world. That's right. Uh, the Gorillas of Destiny are going to defend their tag team titles against the winners of a Rev Pro tag tournament. It's either going to be Aussie Open, which is Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis, or Shaw Samuels and Joss Bodum. And um, that is going to be determined Friday, I believe, sometime early Friday. So it'll be obviously determined before the Saturday show, but uh, we're just going to kind of have to guess here. If I had to guess, I think Aussie Open wins because I think they are the better team, have a better chance of having a good match with the Gorillas of Destiny because, you know, we talked a lot, Jeremy. The Gorillas of Destiny are a lot of times a very flat tag team. They don't do a lot of interesting stuff, but they did have those two great matches with the Briscoes recently, so obviously they can have good matches. So I think you put the best team in there with them, a team that'll be over with the Rev Pro crowd and give them the best chance for a good match. I see the Gorillas of Destiny keeping the tag titles. I just don't feel a title change with them yet. No, not against a, a Rev Pro team. Not, I mean, New Japan has a very good relationship with Rev Pro, but um, it'd actually be great if they switch the titles and then you can get a little bit of mileage out of these titles because if Gorillas of Destiny win, and I suspect it'll be Ozzy Open as well, if Gorillas of Destiny win, then I don't know who the hell they're going to face because Sonata actually seems to be moving on to bigger and better things than than the tag title division. So who the hell does that leave for Gorillas of Destiny? Exactly. I mean, and again, like you said, I would not be opposed to a title change because you could easily rematch on the um, the Destruction Tour on one of the bigger shows, or you could save it for King of Pro Wrestling in October. I mean, you could easily do something interesting before World Tag League, and I wouldn't be opposed to it. I just don't feel it. Yeah, agreed. Next up is the Never Openweight Championship match. Match our man Big Tom Ishii facing off with Kenta. 
I am excited for this because it has banger potential for sure. Ishii is coming off of an excellent MVP run in the G1. Kenta had a really good uh, and strong G1 overall and is coming off that awesome angle with the uh, the turn and joining of Bullet Club. The, the beatdown of Shibata sitting on his chest. That was just a great fucking angle, man. And um, I think it's going to be a great match here. Unfortunately, with Kenta just joining Bullet Club and that big angle, he's really hot right now, so that I think that makes Big Tom expendable here. So I see a new champion, Jeremy. It would it would make sense because Kenta, you're right, he is super hot after the turn. It would also suck because I mean, I, I've talked about the never open weight title plenty of times. I wish they would give guys a run with this belt. I wish you would, and Ishii's certainly the guy to do it. I wish you'd have him face like juniors and guys from other companies and just, you know, like make it almost an, an open challenge kind of thing to where he can just have great matches with a variety of opponents because that, I mean, that's what Ishii should be doing. Um, but Kenta is super hot. So. You don't actually want to beat him, it doesn't seem like, off of this turn. And so he it seems like he wins, and he, he wins the title unless you do some type of a DQ finish where, I don't know, Kenta just snaps and beats the shit out of him with a chair or who knows. They, they, could, they could book around it, but New Japan typically stays away from stuff like that. So that's why it just seems like Kenta will win. I don't have a problem with Kenta as the champion, but my complaint about this title is always that no one ever defends it. And it just it almost feels like it shouldn't exist. Like they need to establish some type of credibility with it. And maybe Kenta brings that credibility. Who knows? But he'll probably end up losing it at King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I am definitely excited for the match, even though I do not want to see Big Tom lose. Should oh, they're going to beat the shit out of each other. It's going to be great. Oh, I know, yeah. And that, that is like the best part about it. I mean, you know it's going to be just really good stuff. Next up, Jeremy, is your man, the Rev Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Champion, Zack Sabre Jr., facing off with the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. I go to you first, since you're the huge Zack Sabre Jr. fan. Can we get Taka back for this match? What are you doing, Taka? We're in Zack Sabre's hometown. We gotta bring Taka back so we all know what time it is. So this is an official match. It's not, if Taka's not there, the title should not be on the line. I stand by that. Zack Sabre is not lost in months because the, none of these matches have been official. Looking forward to this match. Zack Sabre fucking rules. Tanahashi, he's Tanahashi, and he works well with Zack Sabre because, first off, he's, he's just a great seller. Like, he, he sells everything like it's complete death, and for some of his body parts, it might be complete death. And you know Zack Sabre doesn't give a fuck. He's going to bend the arms and the legs in ways they shouldn't be bent. Tanahashi is going to make it look like the, the arm or the leg is going to pop off at any moment, and then either Tanahashi makes his comeback or he'll make some type of comeback, whether it's a comeback leading to a victory or Zack Sabre still ends up making him tap out i don't know i suspect zack saber wins this retains the title here um because tanahashi i mean he probably needs a little bit of time off and stuff but uh, i'm looking forward to this match because th these two have really good chemistry and they can tell such a, a basic and easy story but they're both so believable in their roles that uh, i'm always into their matches yeah, ever since Zack arrived in New Japan, he's had a great on-again, off-again rivalry with Tanahashi. 
I mean, we all know Zach is a next-level just grappling specialist. Tanahashi has obviously changed his style up a bit due to age and various injuries. But somehow in there, Jeremy, the man has become an even better fucking storyteller. And he was already excellent. And it's, like, amazing how much better he's even gotten. I definitely expect these two to deliver another great match. They always work so well together. The crowd's going to be into it huge because it's in the UK and it's Zack Sabre time. Um, I'm always excited for their match. This one is no different. I wouldn't rule out a Tanahashi win, but I don't think it's going to happen because... I feel like they're they're telling the the longer story with him. He's doubting himself following a disappointing for him G1 and that can kind of play into the match and I think the submission master ZSJ will retain his championship. Yeah, the Tanahashi losing would make the most sense here because I'm with you on that kind of longer story of ever since losing to to Jay White, Tanahashi has kind of been uh I mean he hasn't been yeah, he hasn't quite been the ace, and that that's where they're going with this, and I, I'm sure it'll culminate in some big way at, at Wrestle Kingdom and, and maybe even beyond that, but that's, that's seemingly the story that they're telling, and so beating Zack Sabre doesn't exactly feed into that story. Agreed. And our main event of the evening is the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, Kazuchika Okada versus the King Minoru Suzuki. Okada is coming off of a great G1 overall, 7-2, and two, averaged about four, four stars a match. But the King is angry because he was excluded from the G1. He came back with a vengeance at the finals. He brutalized Okada, pinned him, demanded that he hand him the championship, which gives us our match here today. They have a really good history of delivering some great matches together, including a few draws where Suzuki more than took him to the limit. Uh, Suzuki works a lot of rep pro dates and combined with Okada getting to work in the UK should make for an absolutely great atmosphere. Uh, Suzuki is obviously, he's a badass. He feels fresh and re-energized after not working the G1 and it's been long enough since their last match that this feels really fresh, which I think is needed. I think we have another great match here. I think Suzuki will dominate a good portion of this to create drama in that title change because the chances of a title change feel like almost zero. So you have to create the illusion that we're going to get one. And I think with Suzuki, you can do that, especially in front of this crowd. Um, I'll be interested to see how they play it throughout the match. At the end of the day, though, Suzuki is our challenger of the month. He's a roadblock on the way to Wrestle Kingdom. Okada should retain. I'm really looking forward to it, though. should be great. That, that's my one drawback with this match is I, I don't see any chance in hell that Okada is losing. So it, both of these guys are so great that I'm sure I will bite on, on a near fall or, or some type of false finish um, near the end of the match because Okada is like the, the master at the 2.9 kick out and, you know, Suzuki is going to make the submissions look really good and Okada is going to going to sell it like he, he can't escape. So I'm sure they'll they'll get me hooked, but that that certainly is my my biggest concern going into it. Is 
I know Okada is winning this match. As far as the actual match goes, it should be awesome because Okada rules and Suzuki is the greatest of all time. So I'm looking forward to this match. It's another where these guys are going to beat the hell out of each other, especially Suzuki. He's going to twist Okada all up. He's going to chop him to death and kick him to death and headbutt him to death. And yeah, the crowd, as, as you said, Suzuki watch or works a lot of Rev Pro dates. Okada is over just about anywhere he, he goes. So the, the crowd should be red hot um, for this match, and that'll that'll certainly help the the drama down the stretch as well. Yeah, so that is Royal Quest again, twelve thirty p.m. Eastern Time on Fight TV. It's definitely a New Japan card. They are giving the UK a full on New Japan card, which is great because that's what uh that was some of the early criticism with the U.S. shows that a lot of them didn't feel like New Japan shows. You know, they were like New Japan with some guests, and they didn't really feel like what some of the fans wanted. So I credit them for giving them that card here. And we're going to stay in the UK, Jeremy, because we have NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. And this uh, show looks really good on paper. Before we get into the matches, the big news for me is that Cesaro is going to attend TakeOver Cardiff. And, yeah. And this has me fucking excited because let me tell you they're doing absolutely nothing with him on the main roster he's obviously great he's not getting any younger so maybe a short sabbatical to the uk brand would be for the best it gives him fresh matches it adds star power to nxt uk it gives them a fresh feeling and we would get a ton of fresh singles matches walter pete dune tyler Bate, um just tons of guys and of course, you could always do the Kings of Wrestling reunion with Ono. So either way you go with Cesaro over there, the potential of him doing like a six-month stint or so in NXT UK is super exciting to me. I cannot wait to see what happens with him. I, I'm pumped about the Cesaro news. I listened to the Edge and Christian show last week, and Edge was he was very high on Cesaro moving. He said NXT um with nxt going to usa but he said that cesaro could really benefit going there and nxt could benefit from him i think nxt uk it'd be a, a even better deal for him him and somebody like drew mcintyre who I, I don't know what they're doing right now but it would certainly give this brand a lot more star power and a lot more reason to tune in because I'm going to be honest with you, Larry. I'm not caught up on NXT UK. I, I know these guys. I, I read your reports and stuff, but I couldn't pick most of them out of any type of lineup. So I'm not going to be much use on this preview here because I, I don't know a ton about these these guys and, and what the what they got going on. I tried to binge watch, but it's it's kind of like it's a fine show. I don't think the show is bad, but it also just doesn't feel like a whole lot goes on and i had the same complaint with uh just the regular nxt but that's a much simpler show um to binge watch i guess because i'm just a little bit more invested and nxt uk is is low on my my totem pole of, of shows that i want to go out of my way to watch and everything cesaro would certainly get me to tune in more a guy like mcintyre would get me to tune in more and just utilizing more of the the talent that they have like pete dunn is not on this show it'd be sweet i, I saw him tweet at cesaro 
give me Pete Dunn against Cesaro on this show. Scrap Travis Banks and Noam Dar, uh, please. I mean, I'm sure they're both nice guys. I'm sure it'll be a good match. I want Cesaro and Pete Dunn. Uh, you know, use guys like Pete Dunn and, and uh, Ilya Dragnuov. Uh, like, use these guys because those are the guys that I'm actually interested in, in seeing. Yeah, and unfortunately, you're not the only one that feels that way about the UK brand. And like you said, it's it's not a bad show. It is like never a bad show. It's always solid to good. But I will agree that there's not a lot of urgency to tune in week in and week out. And I, I get that because there is a lot of stuff to watch. And it's, uh, it's one of those shows that unfortunately kind of falls by the wayside for a lot of people. Yeah, I love the, uh, the, the possibility of Cesaro coming in. I think it would be great. Again, you could do tons of singles matches. You can do the tag run with him and Ono. <coughs> Excuse me. But yeah, a lot of stuff. I wouldn't rule out a Drew McIntyre run eventually because he said he's, he'd love to work the UK brand. And like I said, they're not doing anything with him on the main brand. They seem to like... You hear every couple months there's plans for him and then you think they're protecting him and then he just starts losing to everybody again. So they have no clue what they're doing with him. Send him to NXT for a little bit. Send him to NXT UK. Do fucking something with him. He's too talented not to do anything with him. Agreed. Um, you know, give me Cesaro. I like your idea at a Kings of Wrestling reunion as well. Like, I, I even wish like Cassius Ono should be on this card. I wish they'd even kind of do more with him on the brand. Like, these are the guys that I, I, I want to see more than. And no offense to Travis Banks or Noam Dar. No offense to like Gallus or any of these guys. I just I watch the show. They're fine. I they just haven't built. And I know like they have to build an equity and the only way they're going to do that is to be on the show but it seems like they've been featured enough and i've watched enough of these shows where i'm like eh, i don't like i like piper nevin I, or viper I, she's going by nevin in uh nxt uk i like her i like jazzy gabbard i actually like the women's division a, as a whole like that's more i wish there was a, another women's match on this show more than uh some of these matches we're getting so you know i I can get invested in these people. Rhea Ripley is another one. I think she's fantastic. I can get invested in these guys. I don't like a lot of these guys just aren't doing it for me. And so I'd rather see guys who I know are great and who I have a longer term investment with who could elevate these guys as well. Like you, if you want to get a guy like Travis Banks or uh, over, put him in the ring with Cesaro. And then I will probably care a lot more about Travis Banks than him facing Noam Dar. Yeah, and again, it's it's a fair point, and I, I get it, because like I said, you're not the only one. There's a lot of people that feel that way. Um, and again, it's like, like I spoke about with Impact, like Impact, like the weekly TV is never bad to me. It's always solid. It's sometimes really good. Uh, their pay-per-views are where they thrive. But again, in 2019, you just you can't afford to have just okay shows or solid shows. You have to do a little more. And so when you only have an okay show or sometimes just bland shows, you know, like the ROH TV product we talk about, there's just people that there's too much to watch right now. And those are the first shows to kind of go off of people's lists. And unfortunately, right now, NXT UK is kind of one of those shows. Again, never bad. It's just sort of there some weeks. And if you're looking for time to spend on other stuff, it's going to get the axe. 
So, uh, but uh, we'll sit there and we'll talk about the card here, and you can chime in with whatever you feel like chiming in on with what you know. I'll start off. No Dar and Travis Banks. Uh, Banks was originally set to compete at the first takeover. He was injured by Jordan Devlin, which led to Devlin losing to Finn Balor. Banks came back, overcame, even got a championship shot against Walter, which, of course, he lost because Walter's the big fucking daddy and Travis Banks is not. Uh, he looks to get back on track here at his first takeover. Dar was in the Cruiserweight Classic, part of 205 Live. He had injury issues. He was in an odd limbo period for a while between 205 Live and NXT UK. He finally came back to the UK brand and started bragging about him. He did a short babyface run that started bragging about he had a big contract, became an asshole again, and then said he was guaranteed a spot on TakeOver. Travis Banks earned his way into the match. Both are good. Uh, Banks has shown he can step up in bigger matches. They'll have a clear face dynamic here to play off of. Um, not the sexiest match on paper. I'm sure it'll be good. But um, I, I think Banks wins because I have Walter retaining in the main event. And you want to have a couple guys set up to challenge um, Walter. And you could eventually heat Banks up again and do that rematch down the line. Where's Jordan Devlin on this show? He's being he's being relegated for no reason. Like that that's another guy who I'm actually into and and a lot of that is just based off of he was in the ring with Finn Balor and so he may have lost that match but he came off like a a bigger deal. Like again, if you want to make Travis Banks put him in the ring with a Cesaro or a Drew McIntyre, even if he loses, I will feel more invested in this guy. I don't care about Noam Dar. He got on television because he said Alicia Fox instead of Alicia Fox. And like that's his biggest claim to fame. Fair enough. Yeah, and the problem with Devlin that pisses me off is like, I've watched a good bit of his outside of WWE work, and he's had some absolutely fucking excellent matches. And then like, they burned the Walter match already. And it was like, it was really good, but it felt like such a non-important match when it could have been so much bigger. And that really pissed me off. It feels like they don't know what to do with him. He's basically in a a holding pattern where he's complaining about that he should be the number one contender and he should be getting shots and all that stuff. So yeah, it's um it's annoying. He I wish he was on the card, but he is not. Uh I, I guess Travis Banks win. I don't know. Who's gonna win this match later? Travis Banks. Okay. Uh, next up are the NXT UK Tag Team Champions, the Grizzled Young Veterans versus Gallus versus Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. Grizzled Young Vets uh, have been Tag Team Champions since January when they beat uh, the British Strong Style. They've controlled the Tag Team uh, Division. They've claimed to be the locker room leaders and best tag team in the business. Gallus was the kind of big faction in NXT UK for a while. Joe Coffey even got a UK Championship match. But things changed when Walter arrived, won the title, and then Imperium basically took over in that role. So Gallus has just been sort of dudes. Uh, they look to remain relevant here as uh, Mark Coffey and Wolfgang challenged for the tag titles. They made the challenge. Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster got involved. They won singles matches. They got into this match. Probably be a really enjoyable match. I like everybody involved for the most part. <coughs> um gallus a little less than the others um but i um i think it'll be fun and i think that um i think we will get a tag title change to mark andrews and flash morgan webster here 
um, because I think we need babyface champions right now because I think later on that Imperium's Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel will win the tag team titles from them and eventually feud with Mustache Mountain. So I'm going title change to Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster with some future booking in the mind. Yeah, where's uh, Barthel and Eichner? Like, those are two more guys that I actually enjoy, and, and they're not on this card. I, I'll take your word on how, how good this match will be and the title change. I feel like it should be a title change as well from what I've seen from Grizzled Young Vets. Like, they, I, I like their match against Mustache Mountain at the, the first takeover. Uh, like, their title run hasn't really done anything for me and again i'm not watching weekly so i'm a, not the the best judge on this but i can't say like it seems like they they've really lit the world on fire so uh sure flash morgan and, and mark andrews wins and yeah get the titles on eichner and and barthel because they're they're actually good yeah I'm, I'm disappointed they're not on the cards card as well but i think that's more of a long-term booking thing so Next up is uh, Mastiff versus Joe Coffey in a last man standing match. Um, they did a build to this one almost identical to the Mastiff-Eddie Dennis uh, feud for the first NXT TakeOver where they brawled a lot and basically were put on an even playing field. Um, I kind of I hate that because it feels like they've painted Mastiff as a really one-dimensional character that hasn't changed since January. Uh, but the good news is I thought the build has been solid. They can have a good match. They'll have some smoke and mirrors with it being last man standing. They'll hoss around and beat the shit out of each other. Um, I think Mastiff will take the win here because, again, I think you're going to use this card to position some future challengers for Walter, and a hossy mass with, match with Mastiff would probably be pretty fun. I hate the last man standing stipulation. It's one of my least favorite stipulations and you can do a good last man standing match we've seen it a handful of times but i just don't like it it gets kind of drawn out and then you're like all right that that kept you down but this didn't so not a big fan of the stipulation i'm sure it'll be a, a fine match yeah i'm not a huge fan of the stipulation either because number one you, you take out the near falls and that hurts the drama a lot and a lot of a lot of the times you just get like Repeated downs and the referee counting. Repeated downs and the referee counting. And that hurts the drama as well. So you have to play to the stipulation like extraordinarily well. I'd like to see a last man standing match where there isn't a earlier count to get it like a six or something. And because the wrestler just knows, all right, he's not going to be down for 10 after this. I got to keep beating the shit out of him a little bit more. That would be nice. So we'll see. Uh, I think it can be good. Um, we'll move on. Uh, next is the UK Women's Championship match. Champion Tony Storm versus Kaylee Ray. Uh, I really love both performers a lot. I think they're very good. It's a good match on paper. They have an established history outside of NXT UK to play off of, which they've done a good job um, via video packages. And they've done a some nice work on TV with Kaylee Ray trying to make the feud uh, extra personal. So it should have some really good heat going into it. I have confidence that they can have a very good match. Um, Tony Storm has been champion since uh, January. And I think that we can see a title change here and an eventual feud with Kaylee Ray facing off with another familiar opponent in Piper Nevin down the line. 
I this is a match, uh, the first match that I actually know a little bit about and, and I'm looking forward to because I am a fan of Tony Storm and from what I've seen of Kaylee Ray during this feud, I, I've become a fan of her. I like this feud. It's it's simple in the whole like personal attack kind of thing, but they they are friends. They they do have a history. So Kaylee Ray digging at her friend with, with kind of personal shots certainly is, is a way to you know build a feud and, and kick off a feud and, and lead into a match because it, it makes Tony Storm hopefully kind of approach the match differently instead of all right i'm just gonna have a good competitive match with my friend it's it's almost like a, a mind games type thing as well so there's a lot of different directions that they can go with the the actual match here um i, I think it should be a, a good match i feel like tony storm is going to retain but I, again, you know the brand better than I do. A, a Kaylee Ray win and setting up a Piper and Evan feud, not something I, I'm against. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Tony Storm retained, but I think we will see a title change. I think we get two title changes here because we really haven't had any. And um, just it feels like the time to me, trying to mix things up. Plus, you're bringing Cesaro in, and you're there's a lot to play with. Um, and our main event is the UK champion Walter versus Tyler Bate. Uh, I've really loved the build to this. Uh, you had Walter coming in, beating Pete Dunne for the title, Imperium forming. They ran wild on British Strong Style. Walter hospitalized Tyler Bate, and then he destroyed Trent Seven when Trent Seven went for revenge on uh, young Ty- for young Tyler being sent to the hospital. On paper, this looks like an excellent main event. They've worked together in the past and had bangers. They play the rules really well because. Walter is an awesome asshole bully that does not care. Bait is a tremendous babyface, tremendous of amazing feats of strength. Um, and basically, without a doubt in my mind, the match of the show, possibly the match of a loaded weekend because, as we already talked about, we have a Royal Quest and we're going to talk about All Out here in a little bit. So that's how much potential I see in this match. I think it could be tre- absolutely tremendous. The story's strong. The performers are great. I think bait will make a great challenger that fans can get invested in, but I just don't see him winning a title here. Um, I think the, the Walter run is still in its infancy. Uh, agreed. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if, if Walter lost the title here, but as far as match goes, this certainly feels like a, a bigger match than the, the first UK takeover with, with Pete Dunne against coffee, just because and no offense was it was it joe coffee yeah it was a mark coffee okay it was just- no, no 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 offense to to joe coffee he didn't feel like the the biggest star in the world coming into that match um especially compared to to pete dunn but tyler Bate, former champion first ever uk champion walter current champion it's these are two established guys, two guys who, yeah, as you said, they, they got the chemistry with each other from from various independent shows. So I think this match should rule. The crowd's going to be really into it. Walter, just he's awesome. Uh, I love his his style, the way he just beats the shit out of people, the way he is, as you said, like a bully. Um, and Bacon is certainly a, a much smaller guy, but he's a, he's a smaller guy with a, a big belief, and, and that plays into this as well. You know, big, strong boy, so... Uh, I think this match, it could steal the weekend. Honestly, there there's a lot of good matches this weekend, but Pita or uh, Tyler Bate and Walter could could certainly do it. And then Cesaro's going to come out and stand face to face with Walter, and they're going to fuck at some point. 
Yeah, I that would be awesome. Uh, definitely an awesome match. Uh, the the most funny thing, uh, funniest thing was on um Oh man, it was on uh, NXT UK last week. They had uh footage of Walter at his at the WXW training facility. And it looked like a fucking German snuff film because he's sitting there slapping these kids around and he's like, "Are you Tyler Bate? Do you want to be a big strong boy?" And he's just like slapping the shit out of these dudes, and like, I was like, "What the fuck?" Almost, but it was it was hilarious in a good way. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this match. It should be awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely weekend stealing potential, just because both guys are absolutely great. Um, looking forward to this, and I, I think with ease, this steals the the NXT UK show. Yeah, I don't think there's really anything else that's gonna top it i'm sure this card will be very good because even if you don't you're not familiar with these guys like wrestling is in such a good place and the nxt brand is is so strong whether it's us or uk that it's probably going to be a a very good show but i don't see anything coming close to to topping walter and tyler beta walter hits the the 619 because he gets called dominic mysterio yeah oh god yeah it's that'd be great so, um, but yeah, that is the preview for our uh, NXT UK Takeover Cardiff show. Four one one will have live coverage Saturday afternoon with me at the helm of that. And uh, next up, Jeremy, another potentially great card: AEW All Out, the return of AEW to pay per view. Got a pretty loaded card overall. We'll start with the buy in stuff. The Women's Casino Royale um, to crown a number one contender for the Women's Championship. We don't know all the competitors at this time. Um, there's rumored competitors. There's a couple confirmed. We're going to have like Jazz, Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, Allie, Brandy Rhodes, uh, Yuka Sakazaki, uh, Teal Piper, which is Roddy Piper's daughter, Big Swole, which is Ariel Monroe, Cedric Alexander's wife, and Sadie Gibbs from the UK. Those are pretty much like the names we know. Probably be some surprises. We may get Awesome and Aja Kong in there. And some of the other women that have been around, like B Priestley and stuff like that. So, um, But as of this recording, not everybody has been confirmed. Uh, the Casino Royale, if you guys uh, don't know the gimmick here, it's 21 wrestlers. It's a kind of a Royal Rumble gauntlet style matches. It begins with five wrestlers in the ring every three minutes. A new wave of five join the match. The lucky 21st wrestler gets the final solo entrance. Uh, eliminations are over the top rope. Uh, both feet hit the floor. Winner is the top contender for the AEW Women's Championship. It's what they did to get Adam Page the number one contendership, and hopefully they handle this contender better than they handled Adam Page. I would assume that Britt Baker wins this thing. They've been pushing her really hard and for, for good reason. Um, I don't know. Because we don't know all the competitors, it feels tough, but from this list that they we do have baker seems like the the most logical choice and maybe that's why they go in a different direction but i would think she's going to win i expect like a halfway decent surprise or two i i think like maybe a victoria could could be in this thing i don't know what molly holly's doing but maybe she could pop up in this thing i, I do think we're going to see some type of surprise like that uh what what's a what's an ecw female wrestler who could pop in here i guess they got jazz but uh i, I don't know dawn marie's not probably doing anything sunny shadow jail she could show up. <laughs> who the hell knows <laughs> uh i think i think Britt baker's gonna win since it's a four title shot 
Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. I think Britt's a good pick. It just depends on who they get in there and who is signed and everything and who they want to go with and who they're planning for them to face. But Britt is a definitely a good pick. They definitely have a lot going behind her. I wouldn't rule out a shitty heel win for, like, Brandy Rhodes, though, unfortunately. Cause God, I, no. I don't want to see it, but I wouldn't rule it out, dude. I don't think you can do this with Brandy Rhodes, and this has nothing to do with her her wrestling ability, which it's not the best compared to the other people in this match. Yeah, I was trying to be nice. Uh, And it has nothing to do with her promo ability, which I think is actually very good. It just has to do with the optics of the company. And, I mean, you've got... Like, you know, Omega's in top spots, the the Cody's in top spots, like the, the four executive vice presidents are in these top spots. And then if Brandy is going into that first show as a, a title challenger, it's like, all right, you're you're booking all your people here to just take over. And I get these are especially the, the four executive vice presidents, like those are the four biggest stars outside of Jericho and Moxley. So on some level, it does make sense that they should occupy these top spots. Brandy, I don't think it is that star. And she certainly isn't the person to carry the, this women's division as a wrestler. I, I think if you, if they do that, it almost has Baron Corbin, like go away heat potential. And I feel like this company is smart enough to realize that. I would hope so. But I mean, we'll, we'll we will find out. Uh, continuing on with the buy-in, we have Private Party versus Jack Evans and Angelico. Uh, I think this is a great addition to the show, even though it's like a pre-show match. Both teams have been impressive so far in AEW, but haven't neither of them have found their way into the win column just yet. Private Party showed a ton of potential in their first AEW match. Jack Evans and Angelico are really great. Uh, they have the experience advantage. This is one of those matches, Jeremy, for me, that you don't fucking overthink it. 12 to 15 minute high octane sprint style match. For lack of a better term, let them get their fucking shit in. Agreed. I don't want them to overdo it with the the near fall stuff on the pre-show. That was my complaint with um, Evans and Helico at their match against Best Friends uh, at... Uh, double or nothing like there was just a lot of that near fall stuff where all right it's a it's a good mid-card match i didn't need them like burning through these finishes that they didn't need to burn through and i don't want that here i'm fine with a, a spot fest both of these guys are are both of these teams are very good at those types of matches i don't need any type of great tag team psychology here give me the spot fest i will be happy just don't be kicking out of fucking assisted burning hammers and stuff and, and i'll i'll be okay i feel like private party will win because they have the the matchup against the young bucks it would feel kind of dumb to have them lose here and then have anybody believe that they can beat the young bucks on on that first show especially if we're we're supposed to or the second show we're supposed to believe that wins and losses are really supposed to matter technically if like if private party loses here they shouldn't even be facing the 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 young bucks unless it's i guess a one seed against a an eight seed so i i feel like they have to win here just to make them come off credible for that young bucks match i think that's a fair point yeah i um i can see it go either way but it it does make more sense for them to win here so uh, moving on to the main card we have scu christopher daniels frankie kazarian and scorpio sky battling the luchasaurus the jungle boy and little marco stunt 
Uh, I think it's a good addition to the card because SCU are a great veteran team. They're over. They can work with anybody, and they can still have high-caliber matches. I love the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. They are a fun uh, pairing. I'm not totally sold on adding Marco Stunt to the group because I kind of like Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy by themselves. Um, Marco Stunt can do some fun little things. Um, I find them hit and miss as an overall performer, but... um, you know, I mean, it, he's he's in there. It'll be kind of fun to watch, like, Frankie Kazarian play, like, Monster Heel against him, though. Because, like, he never gets to do that against anybody. So I hope, like, Frankie Kazarian, like, fucking choke slams him, like, eight times. That'd be great. Um, the Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt, uh, no wins for them so far. SCU has found uh, wins in uh, AEW, so... I think it could be a good and fun match. I think the underdogs might take this one with the Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt winning, Jeremy. This is a strong kickoff match because everyone is into the SCU act. So they come out there. They they say it's the worst town they've ever been in. The crowd cheers along. And then they, they like the Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, Marco Stunt trio. So guys can get hit their spots and stuff, and it'll probably be a good match. I did not like I knew Marco Stunt was tiny. You watch him on Being the Elite this week and, and then you got the cameo with uh Morrison and, and Taya there. And he is like small compared to Taya Valkyrie. And I'm like, oh my god, this man really is super tiny. And this is another I think he's really he's fun. He's fun to watch. I have no issues with that. It's just when you see him next to other people who you think are really tiny, you realize just how small. Uh, this guy is and i'm sure next to luchasaurus um we'll, we'll, we've seen it before but and we'll see it again here but and this guy is just so small uh i think the they'll win it as well even though i feel like seu should probably win um and marco stunt should maybe take the pinfall because you almost want to protect luchasaurus and jungle boy since they seem to be like they're going to be a a regular team and marco stunts just kind of kind of be the all right he's gets into a trios match every now and again but he's just kind of more their their little the the pet of the the pets i guess i would be fine with scu winning if it meant that luchasaurus ate marco stunt after the match <laughs> just because like that'd be, great. that'd be fine yeah, I, that'd be a cool angle. <laughs> I, I love that, like, on being the elite, that, like, the Luchasaurus, because, like, dude is a smart guy in real life, but he speaks like a fucking college professor. He's all eloquent and shit while he's wearing this mask and carrying Jungle Boy on his shoulders and stuff. They've got a good little thing going. Like, I like the pairing of Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. I Marco Stunt, I'm with you. He doesn't, like, he doesn't detract from the group, but I also don't think he really adds much to it either. And so that sort of just puts him in a, in a weird position. So I, I don't know. Marco Stunt, it, I don't have an issue with the guy. I'm not a, you know, cornet ranting and raveling. The guy's too small and it's not believable. I think he's fun for for what he does. I just don't see he just kind of is who he is and I don't know if he can ever kind of break past that level even though I think it'd be kind of cool if he did, but his size is certainly going to be a detractor in a lot of ways moving forward. Yeah, again, I want to see like eight Frankie Kazarian choke slams. 
That'd be cool. That's a, that's the thing you can do with Marco Stunt too. Is you can have a guy like like Scorpio Sky or Frankie Kazarian or Christopher Daniels, where they're not big guys themselves, but Marco Stunt's in there, and so they look like giants, so they can wrestle kind of more uh, a giant style. And it's it's you know that that is a, a benefit of of Marco Stunt. Agreed. Uh, moving on, I'll get some ladies action here. Jeremy uh, Hikaru Shida versus Rio. Um, I think we can agree that overall the booking of the AEW women's division has not been perfect. Uh, like the handling of Allie so far and some of the Brandy Rhodes stuff. But I do like a lot of the talent they have involved. We talked about Britt Baker earlier and some of the others. And I do love the Joshi element that they're bringing into because, you know, like there's a lot of people like in WWE that they, they like Asuka and Kairi Zane and stuff like that. But they're also frustrated that they never get to see them do anything good. So if you're a fan of Japanese women wrestlers and you see this match, this might be something for you. Um, so that's kind of why I love this match. I really like both performers. Um, you have uh, Sheeta's making her return after um, Double or Nothing. She actually uh, teamed with Riho and, uh, at that event and stuff, and then Riho stuck around, picked up a win in the triple threat, then lost in a tag. So I think the winner here, you can make an argument, will be in play for an eventual title shot, possibly even on that first show. So I think it's a toss-up. And with that being the case, uh, I don't really know who to pick, but uh, I will go with my heart and pick my future ex-wife and go with Hikaru Shida. (laughs) My biggest complaint with the AEW women's division booking is that they're just like in matches. There's no real story or meat to these matches like you've got Riho and Sheeta in this match and as you mentioned Sheeta was there for the, the the trios match on the first show and then hasn't been seen Riho's been around and she's got some wins she's got a loss but why is this a singles match you know why like what is the point of this being a singles match? There's no real reason to it. There's no real story or heat behind it. And the same thing with the the battle royal. It's it's a way to get a lot of people on the show, and that's fine. And then put them into a number one contender spot. It's been reported that this is a number one contenders match as well. So it certainly would make sense that the winner of this match meets the winner of the the battle royal uh, to to crown the first champion. But that's been my issue with the women's division is they've just been matches. You know, Britt Baker gets put into a tag match after winning the the fatal four way match, which is supposed to be a big win. And then she loses the tag match. And then you've got people who you only see once. And there's just no, no real meat behind, behind these matches or, or story behind these matches. And so it's, it's tough to get into as far as the match goes, it'll probably be good. They'll probably be get some time. And I think Riho will win. Fair enough. And you're definitely right. That's, it goes back to the whole, you know, the women's division has been far from perfect. Again, we have some good performers. We have some good, good bones there, but it doesn't feel like they've invested into, like you said, the storytelling or reasons. You know, like, tell us exactly why. Make sure it's clear why they're facing and give us a little more reason to care. I mean, sometimes a good match on a show is sometimes just a good match on a show. But again, you're trying to attract a new fan base, and some people need story. They need a reason. 
Right, so. and you can you can do the whole good match thing with like undercard stuff and like um, private party and, and and Helco and Jack Evans. Like, there's no story behind why these guys are wrestling outside of neither of them have have a win, and so someone is trying to get off the schneid there. But we're talking about an entire division that doesn't really have any story behind it right now. Agreed. Next up, Jeremy, and I will go to you first. Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen. The Cracker Barrel Clash. (laughs) I can't say it without laughing. It's what I get that they got to have a sponsor and, you know, it's it's cool. I hope we get the peg game. If someone's not stabbing someone with the pegs, then what's the point of this being the Cracker Barrel Clash? Uh, it's a stupid name for this match. As far as the match goes, I'm looking forward to it. I imagine it'll be changed to some like no DQ, falls count anywhere, no holds barred, unsanctioned nonsense. I mean, maybe that's why it's Cracker Barrel Clash. It's, you know, rules are relaxed because you can fight at the Cracker Barrel. Who cares? They're going to beat the hell out of each other. They're going to do some dumb shit all for our entertainment, and I will be entertained. Yeah, and uh, that kind of goes back to like the women's thing, though. It's like I really wish there was a a good reason and explanation for it. Like, is this going to turn into like a wild hardcore brawl? Is it just a triple threat? Why exactly are they facing? Is somebody going to get something out of it? Uh, And I don't think, again, I don't think it's going to be a bad thing as long as it's good. But again, you're not going to get everybody to care about it, especially like there are a lot of people that don't like Joey Janela. He's a mud wrestler, you know, he's a mud show wrestler and, Jimmy Havoc's a trashy hardcore guy and Darby Allen does stupid shit is what you'll hear from a lot of people. So you need to give them a reason to care. But but again, maybe they will win people over by having a really good match here. The reason they care is Janela got drunk at a Blink-182 concert off too many White Claws and then he got into a fight with Havoc and Allen. I mean, they did try to tell a story with this. They were a team at the last show. They lost and then... They all blamed each other because, I don't know, reasons. Uh, they, they they were a weird team to begin with. They should have that, – that, that was another one of those things where they were just kind of thrown together to, to set something up, and it wasn't the greatest explanation in the world, but they, they made something out of it, and they had fun with the Enzo Blink-182 thing. So at least there was that. There's more story behind this match than uh, the, the, the women's division, and, hey, I'm fine with these guys uh, – killing each other for for our entertainment that's i don't mind janela's style i don't i'm not a big deathmatch fan i could live without the light tubes and all that stuff but uh janela at least in aew and even in some gcw stuff doesn't go too too far um and and havoc and alan like they kind of do the same thing alan doesn't really go that far either he just kind of takes really stupid bumps and and habit can go that far but i don't think you're going to be seeing light tubes in AEW. no but you may see jimmy havoc being cut up with a fucking pizza slicer like he was in mlw yeah i don't know i don't know if they're gonna quite do that as well so again the deathmatch stuff not really my style i i like certain guys like i think nick gage is pretty awesome but i can't sit through an entire show but this is just one match and i don't think it's going to be super gcw type deathmatch stuff so i i think it'll be fine it, it should be a good match who wins jeremy uh janello wins even though i think out i and i think habit takes the pinfall i think they really see something 
in Janela. Um, and yeah, he's, he's polarizing to a lot of people, but he's also super popular to a lot of people. Like you can't run your own event WrestleMania weekend with the kind of success that he's had, unless you have, you have something and, and Janela certainly has something. And I don't like, you can beat Darby Allen, but you, you established him with that 20 minute draw against Cody and you want to keep that equity up. Like you don't just want to beat this guy now because he, you've got something going with him. And I know he lost to, to Sean Spears and the, the, the six man tag. And so, but then that helped build the, the Cody feud. I hope that that wasn't the whole point of that Allen and, and Cody draw was to, put the Cody and Sean Spears feud over. I hope it actually means something for Darby Allen. I agree. And I also think Joey Janela wins here and pinning Jimmy Havoc makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Agreed. Up next, we have tag team action for a first round buy in the AEW tag team title tournament, the best friends versus the dark order. The feud goes all the way back to double or nothing. When after the best friends won their match, the dark order made their mysterious debut, set their sights on the good natured, uh, hugging friends, uh, dark order, formerly known as the super smash brothers. They're an excellent tag team, but we're off the board in the U S due to border issues and visa stuff. Um, the young bucks love them so much that they had them brought into ROH to work with them in Toronto in the past. So signing them wasn't a surprise. They're great, but the Dark Order gimmick doesn't feel like it's really gotten over. Uh, hopefully that changes here because they're really talented. The best friends have worked everywhere. They're a really fun babyface tag team. So they should play well off of the Dark Order. Um, they both won matches to get to this match. And um, I think that it makes the most sense for the Heels to win because I always think that the Heels winning and receiving a buy in a tournament like this kind of gives like and in a good way the false illusion that they're getting a unfair advantage in the tournament like oh how dare the heels don't have to wrestle an extra match you know so i can see them winning here i think that makes sense best friends kind of stay underdogs and then you could always build to a rematch later possibly for the titles depending on who wins the tournament should be a really good match i don't know how over the match will be because Reaction to the Dark Order hasn't exactly been great at the live events, but match quality wise should be really good. Match should be should be good. Both these teams are good. This is where you can't like they'll probably go crazy in this with the the near falls since the um, Lucha Bros and Young Bucks tag team match is a ladder match, so you don't have the near fall element in that. So you can't burn out those near falls in the tag team match with the pre-show match and that like that's my concern is that both of those matches are going to feel almost similar in that they're going to do a bunch of stuff there's just going to be a bunch of kickouts and then someone's going to finally win but it should be it should be a good match um because best friends they're they're not my favorites but i recognize that they're good wrestlers and in dark order they've I, I don't mind their gimmick. I, I like that they at least have some type of wacky gimmick. And uh, I, I, I like the whole their, – their, their pawns and their, their clapping and appear and disappear, like, like clap on, clap off lights. I think it's fine. I think they're good wrestlers. So Dark Order will probably win. They'll, they'll get the bye in the, the tournament. And, you know, cool. Good for them. They, they received a bye by winning two matches. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, 
Next up, I will go to you first. We go to the Cody versus Sean Spears match. Oh, man. Oh, man. Not a big Sean Spears fan. I he he's he's done good work in this feud, I will say that, but it just I don't know. Something about him. Cody, I think he's he's another guy. Done good work in this feud. Something about him. Like their style is very almost and, and Cody broke out of that a, um a, a very good bit with with Dustin, but that was a match where you could easily break out of that just be with the the story behind it and they were able to to do some some blood and even a little bit of smoke and mirrors in that match that I don't know is going to be there in in this Sean Spears match but it could be they might have to break out the the blood in this one and then it might become a thing of okay we don't need blood in every single Cody match just because he has blonde hair and, and wants to do a Dusty Rhodes Rick Rick Flair tribute there the match could be good. It could also not be all that good. The The feud has been strong. Like I, I've enjoyed the promo work from both guys. Tully Blanchard is going to be in Spears' corner. I would assume Arn Anderson is going to be in, in Cody's corner. Maybe Arn turns on Cody because Arn aligning himself with the Rhodes doesn't exactly make the most sense in the world. Um, it's... This one's a toss-up as far as where if the match is going to be good. I figure Cody, unless Arn turns on him and they really want to establish Sean Spears, but match quality, kind of a toss-up because both guys are just, for the most part, are just kind of average guys who can have good matches against in, in the right setting, and I don't know if against each other is the, the right setting. I think that is a fair assessment. Um a lot of people may not know, but the the story between these guys actually goes back pretty far into WWE developmental when they were in OVW. Um, Cody has credited Sean Spears for years for helping him when he was super green to not only improve and get over, but to actually make it into the company. Uh, so in no way was Sean Spears to AEW a shock when news broke that he wanted out of WWE. He wasn't being used, thought that he was capable more, and while, while he's not a dinosaur by any means, he knew that if he wanted a chance for more, he had to move on because he's 38. Cody, I think, felt a debt of gratitude, brought him in, and the feud basically started because C- Cody basically insulted him in an interview by you know, calling him a solid hand. And that led to the Spears turn and chair shot after the draw with Darby Allen. Um, it's, so it's, it sets up the uh, the blood feud here. And it also brought the return of Tully Blanchard Enterprises with Tully Blanchard mentoring Spears and him playing the role of James J. Dillon, which I think is really cool, actually. And as you said, they've done some really nice stuff on the Road 2 shows. I've largely enjoyed Cody's AEW run so far. I appreciate his focus on storytelling. And this will be a... Heavy storytelling match, and he's largely left the circus at home, which he did not in ROH, which was a big problem with me. Because all the matches felt the same and felt like they broke down into stuff. And when you're in there having like matches with Hiromu Takahashi, and like you don't even go 10 minutes and break out the circus and it feels flat, I mean, that's a problem to me. So I think it's safe to say this is the biggest match of Sean Spears' career, it's the most important. It's his chance to step up, deliver on a big stage, and I think more importantly than anything, to show that he can be more than just the 10 guy. Because 
that's what he is to most people. He's the 10 guy from NXT that didn't make it on the main roster and married Peyton Royce, which that's his best accomplishment. I mean, he could win the AEW world title and marrying Peyton Royce is still his best accomplishment. So I'm fascinated to see if he can step up here and if like he can really deliver because if that's the case, I mean, that's obviously a great thing because he has tons of experience. He'll be great to work with younger guys. He's shown that he's a good heel so far, but we just don't know if he's going to deliver in the ring. Theoretically, I think a win here, depending on how it shakes out, can make him one of the top heels in the company. But will it work? I don't know because I don't know what kind of performance we're going to get from him. I think he wins here. I hope for the best. Kind of like you, I'm unsure overall of match quality-wise. It's going to be a heavy storytelling match, which is not bad by any means. But can Sean Spears step up and show that he has go in his game still? Like, that he can be a player. And that's the big thing here. I guess my biggest issue with Sean Spears is they are presenting him as a top heel, and and that's fine, but it, it, it very much feels like, and this, is, this isn't totally a knock on AEW as much as it's just a knock on history. It just feels like, all right, a WWE mid-carder who we plucked, and not even a mid-carder, uh, a WWE like low guy, like job guy who we plucked, and now we're going to show why he's great and just boost him right to the main event without any real progression of why he got there. It, it just feels like he's a WWE guy, and now he's in our main event, and it doesn't feel like a big deal. Where, you know, Ambrose was a big deal in, in WWE, so him going right into the main event felt like a big deal. Sean Spears, Ty Dillinger was never that guy, and there was no progression of like, going from bottom of the totem pole to a big-time match on this show. And so it almost just comes off a little second rateish and maybe he steps up and if he does great good on him i i thought the 10 gimmick was cool it was a very cult gimmick and but that is unfortunately what a lot of people identify him as and again, i think he's done great work on this feud i love the the road two shows i and even some of the the being the elite when they like cut serious promos i don't do uh, the the comedy stuff, which is mainly on the the being the elite shows, and some of that stuff is is still good. But like their serious promo stuff, I, I'm sure we'll talk about this Omega promo. But the the Cody promos have been great. The Brandy promo in this feud was really good. The, the Sean Spears promo promos have been really good. The the backstory is there to that. I, I guess my biggest complaint really is that he's a WWE guy that didn't have any success, and now he's presented as a top heel in AEW because he hit Cody with a chair and it just doesn't feel like there's a real progression there of him going up the card. And it just comes off as not as good because, Hey, here's a, like it feels almost impact ish. Here's a mid card WWE guy. Now he's our world champion. To be fair. I think you should label it more TNA ish because impact really hasn't done that so much. That was like, that was a TNA staple back in the day. 
Yeah, I was actually saying, like, I know the name is now Impact, and it's no longer TNA, so I'm going to piss off the fan base regardless. Either I call it TNA, and they're like, well, it's Impact Wrestling now, or I uh, call it Impact, and it's all the, those are I the know, TNA I days. So, I, I, I slip every once in a while, too, because, like, TNA was around for so long, and I covered it for so long that it's... It's just habit, so I understand. Look, I when I'm doing SEO work, I, I still put TNA Impact. I know people still Google that shit. No one actually knows what it's called nowadays. Fair enough. Yeah, and I get I definitely get your points about Spears, and I think they're completely justified. I just I'm curious to see if they can make it work, and I'm curious to see if he can step up because I mean, if he steps up and delivers, I mean it's fine, but like if he just goes out there and he's just like the 10 guy being mean and just having like a really bland match. I mean, that's, that's just no fucking good. Yeah. And I'm with you on Cody, his AEW work. I, the, the Dustin match was obviously great. The Darby Allen match was, was very good. The, the, the young bucks tag team match that went a little too long for me, but for the most part, he has, he hasn't been like ROH Cody. And that Cody, and, or even New Japan Cody, where unless he was wrestling Omega, Okada, or Ibushi, like even even that Cody wasn't very good. So I'm glad that, that he's taking a different approach with AEW, and this match might be largely on him to to kind of make his opponent look really good. It's it's a big match for both of them, honestly. It, we'll see what Spears has, and we'll see if Cody can have a, a really strong match where he's not working with a, a super worker or even though or, or, so, or somebody like Darby Allen who's going to bump around and, and completely kill himself in, in the name of entertainment uh, or the, a real true backstory with the uh, the Dustin and, and the, the Blood Brothers type thing, even though this is a, a blood feud. I, and I think with Tully being there and with whoever Cody has, there will be even those uh, smoke and mirrors there with, with those guys getting involved. So if you had to guess, uh, Cody doing the blade job here? I think so. Honestly, I really do. Yep. And I, I hope he does not make this a habit. Yeah, he's uh, definitely been willing to gig in the past, so I definitely I think that will happen here. So we will move on. Again, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I'm not totally – I know a lot of people want to – I mean, and you're not. I, I'm not I don't mean you, but – I know there are a lot of people that just want to shit all over the match right away. And I just, I think if they're, I think they have a good backstory. I think Cody tells a good story when he's in that mode, but I just, it's all going to be on if Sean Spears can step up, you know? And that's what I'm curious to see. That's kind of what fascinates me about it. So we will move. It'll, go, it'll be an average match at worst. Like the, even if it's not a good match, they'll still turn in like an average performance. And unfortunately for Spears, he needs much more than that. Yeah, he does. So we will move on to tag team actions. Escalara de la Muerte, the ladder of death match. Triple A tag team champions, the Lucha Brothers, defending against the Young Bucks. Jeremy, I go to you first. I mean, the the big question is Phoenix's leg. If he's healthy and can do some crazy stuff, then this match will be... It'll be a, a very great ladder match because the Young Bucks are – this is designed for them and, and the Lucha Brothers can't will, will certainly hold up their end of the bargain. Will it be the most psychologically sound ladder match? No, of course not. But they they will do some crazy shit. The, the crowd will be into it and 
that'll be that. If Phoenix's leg isn't what it needs to be, that complicates things a little bit. But the other three will still do the crazy shit. So it it'll be very entertaining. I, I will I will say that much. I and then I hope to never see these two face e- these two teams face each other for at least the next six seven months because I'm as good as these matches are. I, much like Cole and Gargano, it's just time to move on from it. Yeah, I I do agree with that point. I mean, I I think the matches are absolutely great because they had a excellent match at All Out. They had a great rematch in AAA. Then they had the great trios match with Omega and Laredo Kid at Fighter Fest. Um, obviously, you know the matches are great, but like you said, I just I don't need to see it every month. I mean, I love great matches, but I don't want to see the same thing all the time, especially with such a loaded tag team division. Um, the Young Bucks absolutely thrive in ladder matches. You look at their history in ROH in those matches. Uh, the Lucha Brothers, for me, never disappoint. And I think even if Phoenix is a little banged up, he's still going to have enough go in his game to do some wild shit. Um, and I think that this is going to be probably, I think, if I had to guess, this would be the match of the show, I think. I think we're still going to get something rather spectacular. And I think the uh, the Lucha Bros pick up the win here and give the Young Bucks their first official AEW loss. Um, I, I mean, is it a loss? Like they're they're not getting pinned. Like, sure, it's a, a loss, but I'm interested to see how the the, the records um, play play a factor because this is supposed to be a thing. Are they said battle royals don't count, but to multi-man matches count? Do do ladder matches count? Even though no one's taken a, a pinfall, so yeah, it'll probably be the the Bucks' first official loss. But they're they're not taking a pin or getting submitted, so it won't look too bad. And I mean, they're they're still the young Bucks, so it, it'll be fine. Yeah, Paige Mookie gone, and we need to know about this shit. Mookie won't give up anything i i dm'd him and was like give me some scoops on the analytics and he's like i can't tell you anything he's like come on man he's killing me i know i, I got i got reports to write and call and stupid wacky columns to write on what kind of analytics there should be look if we don't get super kick counting in analytics then then what's the point exactly uh, moving on, we were going to have Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, but that is now canceled because Mox picked up a staph infection. The most interesting thing about this story to me, Jeremy, has been the fucking vitriol and negative reaction on Moxley about this. Fucking I've not c- seen this. You oh. you tweeted this, and, and I think the Voices of Wrestling guys said this as well. Like Our timelines must be way different because I've seen none of this. Unfortunately, I have to moderate the 411 comment section. Oh, yeah. That, and there that are people that sense. are like, well, that's what the dumbass gets for going to Japan for a month and working the G1 before this pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. He, he deserved a fucking staff infection. Here's a clue to you assholes that are saying shit like that. First of all, when this dude was out for the better part of a year due to his fucking arm injury, he almost lost his fucking arm due to a staph infection. So this is a serious fucking thing for him. This is a scary situation. And if you don't know, once you get like a MRSA staph infection, your body is more prone to getting them. And I'm not playing amateur fucking doctor. I know from personal experience. 
So and you're trying to Z pack, Larry. Yeah, I know. Get him a Z pack, right? <laughs> but it's just like I've seen a bunch of bullshit like that. It's like, yeah, the guy got out of WWE. He was signing deals. He made a deal with New Japan. It was a dream to work the G1. He wanted to do it. He signed with AEW. Shit fucking happens, okay? It's wrestling. It's not ballet. We've heard it how many goddamn times? This shit happens. And then the bullshit about, oh, New Japan must have dirty fucking rings and blow. Oh, fuck off. This shit happens, unfortunately. It's a horrible situation. I hate that he has to deal with it. Because it has to be absolutely fucking terrifying to go through this shit again. And trust me, I speak, speak from personal experience. Because, um, let me see. One, two, three, seven years ago, I almost lost my fucking right eye. Because I developed a MRSA infection in it. It was about three weeks before my fucking daughter was born. My youngest one. So that scared the shit out of me. So this is not like fucking fun and games and bullshit. So if you're like taking great pleasure that John Moxley has a massive fucking MRSA infection that is off the show, in all honesty, go fuck yourself. You wore an eye patch, didn't you? Yeah, I had to for a long time. I've had yeah. light sensitivity for like five months, man. All right. I, I was like, had I seen you seven years ago? Damn, we've known each other for a while. Been um, for a long time, dude. Yeah, yeah. That, I was just, uh, that reminded me of, of that. Yeah, anybody wishing like this is a good thing or saying this is a good thing or, or laughing about this, just knock it off. Like have ha- have a heart, have a soul, have an understanding that this stuff happens. It, it completely sucks. It really sucks. I was I, anyone who listened to the, the G1 reviews knows how, how much of a, a fan of Moxley I, I've become since he's been John Moxley. And I was already a, a fan of Dean Ambrose, but he, he's taken himself to another level uh, with, with, as John Moxley. And I think it, it, it's terrible for him. And I hope that he comes back as quick as he can. I know he wants to come back as quick as he can. I, it, it's not a thing that should be rushed either though you you've got to think long-term health here and hopefully i I think they'll be smart about that and they because they've seen what happens when you you rush guys back from from stuff and i don't think they want any type of uh that kind of backlash so i hope moxley is able to to heal up get back as fast as he can you know people are saying four to six weeks if it takes longer it it takes longer. Humpus is going to miss the Bloodsport match against Josh Barnett. I was looking forward to them two guys just killing each other. And I was looking forward to this match. It was it was good, but they kind of turned into a hotter angle. That Kenny Omega promo ruled. And, you know, Omega made the, the same point as a, a lot of those idiots. But the, the difference is Omega is working an angle and those idiots are just idiots. Uh, but the Omega promo fucking ruled. It's going to make this match so much bigger when it when it does happen because there is more story to it than just, all right, John Moxley attacks Kenny Omega at the end of the show and now they're going to have a wrestling match because it's John Moxley against Kenny Omega. Like Now there's some real, real meat to this story and I'm looking forward to it even more. Don't, don't, don't criticize John Moxley for, for getting injured. It happens. And just just wish him well. Wish him a speedy recovery. Don't laugh at the guy. Yeah, I really hate people that take like joy in people getting hurt and stuff. Like, listen, man, I don't like Baron Corbin, 
But if he comes on Raw next week and fucking breaks his leg, I'm not going to fucking celebrate that shit. That's that's horrible. These are fucking people's no. lives and careers and shit, and they're trying to make money, man. I mean, that's just horrible. But uh, you spoke about the Kenny Omega promo on being the the beginning of being the elite. If you don't, if you're not a big being the elite fan, I know a lot of people don't like it. Watch the latest one, like the first three to four minutes. It's the Kenny Omega promo, and it is really, really excellent. It's a much different feel than a than a backstage promo or even a basic sit down interview because of how they shot it and how they edited it. Really, really good stuff, and like Jeremy said, I think adds a lot to the feud. Um, it, yeah, it's like it's a it's Omega. Basically, he mocks Moxley for going to Japan, and you know you had a big dream of going to Japan, and you wanted to wrestle the same tournament I did. And what happened? He's like, you failed. He's like, you failed at the tournament I won, and then you came back with a boo boo because it was too tough for you. And it was just like it's a lot of good stuff. It's really great, but. Losing Moxley here is obviously a disappointment for various reasons. It was one of the most anticipated matches on the show. Uh, they they had a solid to, to good angle going into it, but now they can build for a a bigger match down the line. And depending on how you want to do it, uh, you can obviously do a huge TV match, but preferably you save it for the next pay-per-view. And sometimes when plan A falls through, you go to plan B, Jeremy, but sometimes plan B is actually the original plan A. Yeah, they were, I mean, I don't think it's a secret by now. Omega was supposed to beat um, Jericho at Double or Nothing, and, and Pac was supposed to beat Hangman Page, and they were supposed to set up this world title match for this show, and now we're going to get that match anyway. That's right. So, I mean, you know, it, it sucks that we lost the Moxley match, but Omega versus Pac is a hell of a match on paper. Um Again, it was kind of the original plan. It's a hell of a consolation prize in this case. It'll be Pac's AEW debut. And um, it's he's been really good since his uh, WWE exit. I've enjoyed a lot of his stuff. Uh, some of the UK stuff, the Dragon Gate stuff. And um, yeah, he's looked really good. And obviously we know, that, uh, we know that Kenny Omega can and usually does deliver in big matches. I think both guys will be extra motivated to deliver here because... Number one is Pac's debut. Number two, Omega's match with Jericho was far from bad, but a bit underwhelming. And three, I think they're going to want to make up for the lack of Moxley. So there's like extra motivation here. And then it now for me, it comes down to like, who wins? Because Pac's making his debut. And if he's going to come in and be a regular and be a big deal, you kind of don't want to beat him right away. But if you're going to build to Omega versus Moxley, you don't want Omega taking another loss. And so we know that the draw has already been established as a viable finish in uh, AEW. I think it could come into play here, and I think that they're going to heavily tease the draw, and we may actually get the draw, Jeremy. I think real quickly on Pac being the replacement and I, I tweeted it out when the news happened is I think this match will be better than Omega and Moxley. I'm actually looking forward to like the pairing of these two <laughs> more than uh, Moxley and Omega because stylistically they are right on par with each other and can do some cool athletic stuff that Moxley isn't the, the greatest at and you know flip out of stuff and 
I think that stylistically they, they match up better than, than Omega and Moxley. But as far as character work goes, I cared more about Moxley than I than care about Pac and, and Omega uh, from just a singles perspective or, or a match perspective. So I think the match will actually be better than what we would have seen from Omega and Moxley. And I think that match would was going to be really good anyway. I agree with you. It, it feels like it's a draw or Omega wins as much as, Pac, you don't want to beat him on his first night in there. I, you gotta, you gotta keep Omega strong for that Moxley match. You gotta, if wins and losses are gonna matter, you know he's gonna be one and two, failing in with his win being against Shima, but failing against Jericho and, and Pac in you know main event, co-main event situation. So for for the best ma- best wrestler in in the world, the best bout machine, like all right, if you're losing these matches and wins and losses are supposed to be matter, uh it, cool you're having five-star matches, but you you also kind of like need to win. So that that's it's not a danger with establishing wins and losses, but it also makes the losses feel bigger than maybe they should. Um, like losses should be a big deal, but you could still get over in a loss where with AEW, you can still kind of get over with a loss, but if you lose too many, then you just kind of look like a loser because your record is going to read like two and six. Yeah, I agree. And I also agree with your point that, um, I think stylistically it probably ends up a better match, but obviously will not have the storyline attachment to it that the Moxley match had. So, Real quickly uh, before we, we go to the main event, what did you make on being the elite? You know, they they did the bit with Cody and the Young Bucks of, all right, who's going to be the replacement? And Cody does the uh, Young Bucks suggests, well, what about a triple threat? And Cody's like, no, nope, that's a WWE thing. Uh, did, like it? Hate it? What'd you think of that? I, I don't like it myself. I, I I don't think you need to do that bullshit. I'm with you, I, but then I thought about it. Is like I, I don't need it. Like on, on being real quick on being the elite, it's fine. I don't want it on the TV show. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think on being the elite, it's certainly fine. It's playing to their fan base. Like their fan base, at least a large portion of it, feels like it's a, a fuck WWE fan base and so if they're going to take these shots at wwe then that's what the the fan base wants now will that stunt their growth it certainly has the potential to because if you're a fan of both like like we are then we don't want to hear about the other company on those shows um and you know other people might just be completely turned off we won't be turned off because we we do this for a living but people who don't do this for a living might be turned off by it. and like all right you know maybe aew has a good product but they're taking too many shots at wwe so i'm just gonna watch wwe um yeah being the elite was fine it, it's a it's a one-line thing i get it i i agreed with them that that would have been a wwe thing but they they still gotta mind their p's and q's on that and and i get their catering to their their hardcore fan base but still gotta not not overdo it that much yeah i think if you want to do your jabs like that you keep it on being the elite because like you said that does play to their fan base like i said i just don't want it to be overtaken on the damn show because I don't want it to feel like WCW. I don't want it to feel like TNA back in the day. Uh, we talked about this during when we talked about the, the the upcoming Wednesday War, Jeremy. That we don't we don't want that like like the worst parts of it. 
we don't want the somebody debuting in AEW and cutting the back in New York promo or back when I was up North promo and all that shit. I mean, I, I don't need all that shit. You know, there are people that are going to argue that that was my favorite part of the Monday Night War. And I loved when ECW took shots at the companies. It's like, well, that that's fine that you liked it. I just don't think it's needed. I think a lot of it comes across as bushly. I don't want to see either side do it. Stick it on being the elite again. It plays to your fan base and leave it at that. ECW did it because they knew they were third and that was like ultimate play into your fan base. Like they weren't reaching that national audience that <laughs> AEW is certainly hoping to reach and, and Impact was hoping to reach and WCW had already reached. So yeah, that that's why ECW could get away with it. AEW, if they're going to be like ECW, cool. Uh, ECW reached a certain point and didn't get past that point. Like everyone wants to romanticize ECW and fuck Tommy Dreamer is still working main events on Impact, but Don't they they <laughs> they are at a certain like they only hit a certain level uh, for a reason, and I think AEW has bigger aspirations as far as big picture than than ECW ever reached. Agreed. So, Jeremy, we now move on to our main event of the evening for the first ever AEW World Championship. Chris Jericho versus Hangman Page. Your thoughts? Um, It feels like Jericho's going to win. I have nothing against Adam Page. I They've presented him well. They've given him a chance. He's, he's done fine with it. The... Again, the promo stuff has been really good. The the road to the being the elite, the, all that promo stuff, like that's been good. My problem with the the Adam Page stuff is, all right, he won a battle royal as the the last entrance, and fine, he had a gimpy leg, like whatever, and then he went fucking twelve, fifteen minutes with a. Uh, What's his name? Who's not even on this show? Like he, he no, barely. No, he went like guy. nineteen minutes with fucking Kip Sabian. All right, even worse. I I tried to tried to give him some credit here. Like that doesn't inspire. Like that's my lasting impression of Adam Page is is that match and him going way too long with with Kip Sabian who can't even get a spot on this show. So it shows like how much he actually means. Um, just Jarek. I, I can't see them going into the first show with with Adam Page as, as the champion. They they might want to try to push him. They, they can certainly make him in this match because he's going to be working with Jericho and he, he's probably going to get some good offense in. But Adam Page is the world champion. First show just doesn't doesn't inspire a, a lot uh, going into it. And, and Jericho, damn near fifty years old, thick Jericho. I don't know how much that inspires either. But at least Jericho's got the, the the cachet built up to where it's like, all right, hey, Chris Jericho is your champion. I'll, I'll watch this. Yeah, it's like, you know, at first look, I was like, you know, I mean, I really like Adam Page. I think he's really improved over the past couple of years. Definitely has star potential. And at first look, I was like, I was really on team page here for the win, but as you kind of ran down, it's just, and I've we've talked about this repeatedly, his his build to make him a quote-unquote viable challenger just hasn't been there at all. He won that battle royal. He had a really flat, long match with Kip Sabian that didn't inspire anything. And it's, I just, I don't see him coming out 
as the winner and how it can look good in any way. And then on the other hand, though, it's a total catch-22, too, because Jericho is a vet. Jericho is a name. Jericho is part of the reason they were able to help get the TV deal and all that stuff. He's a star. But unfortunately, they're promising something new. They're promising a revolution. And so many people associate him with WWE, who for many are the enemy right now. They want that revolution. They want something new and fresh. I also have some concerns about the match itself. I think Paige is great. Um, but again, hasn't been positioned strongly, and I don't think the crowd investment will really be there for him. Jericho's last two major performances against Okada and Omega were very good to a point, but I also feel they left a lot to be desired compared to his Wrestle Kingdom matches with Omega and Naito. Um, I'm hoping for the best here. I I think it could be a struggle of points, because I don't think Paige is in a good position. I'm not sure if Jericho is going to be up to that top-tier performance. I hope I'm wrong on every level. Hope they knock it out of the park. Hope they have the best fucking match on the card. But I have a lot of concerns about it, but I do think that Jericho will likely walk out as the champion to head into TV with a name in that position. The... The match quality is something I'm I'm concerned about as well because, and, you know, Father Time catches up to everybody. Chris Jericho is damn near fifty. We we've seen him slow down over the years. Um, he's uh, the the AJ match at WrestleMania was the the first big sign of all right. This guy has he's lost at least a half step, if not a full step. Yeah, he had good matches with Omega and Okada. I mean, anyone can have good matches with Omega and Okada. They they weren't raised to that other level that you you see Omega and Okada get raised to when they're in there against you know the top tier workers. Hangman Page, he's had some good matches with with the right guys. We've never really seen him carry things on his own though. And Jericho, if he is that, he's. I think at this point it's safe to say he he's a step behind. Um, and so being a step behind hangman page is going to have to really, really step up and pull his weight here. And, you know, can he do it? Like this is, this is a big spot. He, He certainly, I think he has the ability to do it. We've just never seen it. And he's got to go out there and, and show that he can do it in this one. And it, it could be not a great way to end the night as far as it could feel a li- like a lesser Jericho Omega ish in where you had your great match against uh, Dustin and-, and Cody and you had your, your great spot fest with um, the-, the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. And-, and then it's like, all right, Omega and Jericho, it's cool, but it's not up to those standards. Like we're going to get o- Omega and Pac, which is going to be awesome. We're going to get another like probably even better spot fest with um the, the, the latter match, and then it's like, oh, Jericho and Hangman. All right, it might be okay, but it's not going to live up to those two, and it, it might just be okay. Jericho's, the, the big problem back with that AJ match was, to me, that was when Jericho was still trying to work like young Chris Jericho. And yeah, he couldn't keep up with AJ then. Obviously, since then, he's altered his style. And it's a more, it's a slower, it's a more brawling style, and that fits him as an older performer. 
And when he's locked in and stuff, he does it very well. But like you said, I mean, Father Time catches up with everybody. He still works hard. He's still really smart. He can still tell a story. But those last two matches were a bit telling for me compared to, again, the Naito and Omega matches. So, like like I said, that concerns me. I'm not saying it's going to suck. I'm not saying he's old and washed up. Don't anybody get into that bullshit and say I'm saying that because I'm not. But I do have concerns. I, I've even talked about it. Jeremy, we've talked about it with Tanahashi. I still worry about a lot of big Tanahashi matches to a point because he is breaking down. Who knows how much longer he's still going to be able to have great matches. But I do have faith like in that Zack Sabre match because of the style they're going to work and because of how much of a better storyteller Tanahashi has become. So I think Jericho, for lack of a better term, is going to have to use all of his tricks here. All of his psychology, all of his knowledge, smoke and mirrors, whatever he has to do, they're going to have to use it all. And like you said, Adam Page is really going to have to step up. What is the big closer here? Because this is the... This is the the last show before television. Is it just Jericho is holding on to the title like that? That's your closer, Chris Jericho. You're out. He's the champion. Join us October second on TNT to for the follow up. Or, I mean, they had Moxley at Double or Nothing. Do they have something in their back pocket to to close this show? I have heard rumors of a big surprise. I do not know what they are. I have not been given any clues to what they are. But there are a lot of rumblings on the dark Twitter that they have a huge surprise planned. And a big star. I don't know who that would be. There's always going to be those rumblings because it's AEW. People, for better or worse, sort of expect that stuff from them right now. Yeah, I I don't know who or what it could be, but there are rumblings, and we will see. I'm not predicting anything. I don't know any news. I don't have any, like, legit speculation on who it could be. Obviously, I think people are going to... There's always going to be the CM Punk's um, speculation, just because he's at StarCast, and people are going to think that he's always coming back. So, I mean, I I don't know. But there's been some rumblings, and we'll see what happens, and... Uh, you're right, Jeremy. It might just be that it is what it is, and it's because people are expecting it and that we get nothing. It might just be Chris Jericho standing tall, huffing and puffing with the title at the end of the show, and that's it. The The punk rumor is obviously going to be huge because, yeah, he's got the stage show at StarCast. It's in Chicago. We know he's going to be there. And the more that they deny it almost makes it feel like the more that, okay, he's he's definitely coming in. Like Cody said, like, eh, he'll probably end up back in WWE. Conrad Thompson is, like, adamant that he's not going to be at all out. And like, the, they're leaning so hard into the denial that, on one hand, they could just be telling the truth because that'd be kind of weird in pro wrestling that, that somebody's telling the truth. On the other hand, you're leaning so hard into it that, okay, he he's definitely showing up. So they've built up that, that goodwill. I made this joke on, I don't know if it's a joke, but it's just a, uh, uh, an observation on Twitter that, you know, I don't know if you saw it, like Shibata was listed as coming back on the new Japan website. And it turns out, and then they pulled the, the, the paragraph 
And then it turns out like oh, the website people just kind of did their own thing and didn't really know what was going on. You know, WWE does this and it's like, well, they can't get on the fucking same page with each other. New Japan does this. And it's like, oh, my God, they've created so much more mystery around this Shibata turn and everything. AEW is very much the, the same way where. Yeah, they could be lying to us, but they they built up goodwill through all these surprises and and big moments that it could be CM Punk shows up, even though they want to deny the hell out of it. Yeah, it's really weird. And by the way, let let me throw a quick credit out to Voices of Wrestling, who I know had that info on the Shibata stuff. Um, I don't want to be one of those assholes that never credits people. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's... it's weird. Like I said, it could be absolutely nothing, Jeremy. It could be just a bunch of pipe dreams. Uh, it, it could be punk. Who the hell knows? Um, but, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Because, like, it's a it's a fair point. I mean, are they going to pull out something big? Or is it just going to kind of be, like, Jericho standing with the title and Omega coming out to confront him or something? Or is Moxley going to attack him and, like, you know, hit him with a chair and walk out because that's all he can do? Or I don't know. I mean... It'll be interesting to see it. A lot of a lot of interesting things on this show and on the weekend as a whole. Because as we talked about, Royal Quest, a lot of good stuff on there. Cardiff, potentially awesome main event. Uh, then there's the Cesaro intrigue because, again, I'm all in on Cesaro doing like a six month stint in NXT UK. I'd Definitely. love that, and uh, it's just and all out. I mean, can they deliver another quality show? I mean, because uh, Double or Nothing was really renowned uh for the most part people seem to really like the other two free shows this summer uh can they knock it out of the park again obviously they sold out the building they have some early sellouts for tv and um they have momentum but it's just uh can they deliver again i think they they have something in their back pocket i don't think they're going as the the closing angle for their big television show is going to just be Chris Jericho gassed out holding the the world title over his head. I think they will have something big to where it's like, oh shit, I got to tune in October 2nd to to see this guy and to see how they follow up with it. All I'm going to say is, and I don't know if it's punk, I don't even think it's punk to a degree, but who the fuck knows. But all I'm going to say is they're in Chicago. And if the opening fucking riff of Cold of Personality plays, that fucking place is going to come unglued. It's going to be like madness. And they're going to, they, this is why I, I feel like they've got something big. And again, I don't know if it's punk either. Um, the, 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 that's going to be the rumor all the way up until the, the, the show goes off the air. But they, I just don't see them going into television with the, that being the closing shot, the, the gas Chris Jericho, they, they've got to create something big going into that, that first television show because, you know, double or nothing closed with Moxley and they, they, they followed that up as quick as they could with, with fighter fest and getting him on, on that show. And of course he, he did the G one run and everything. So we couldn't do fight for the fallen, but they, they had to do something as quick as possible with him. And they they created a lot of buzz coming out of that show, and they they they've got to create the same kind of buzz going against uh, NXT on Wednesday. Even if they weren't going against NXT, like you want to create that buzz just going into TNT, and I, they've got something. 
I, I feel like they, they've really got something. I don't know anything for a fact. I, I, I truly don't. I, it's a gut feeling that I believe they have something. And I don't know if it's as big as CM Punk. I, I, there's nothing I don't think that could be as big as CM Punk. But I do think they, they've got something in their back pocket where we're going to be like, oh, shit, yeah, the, October 2nd. Like uh, AEW or NXT is doing well, but I gotta watch that that first AEW show. Yeah, and again, it's um, it, it's fun to speculate, but again, we don't know anything. We're just kind of spitballing here. And um, Jeremy, you you brought up NXT and AEW, and I think we will go ahead and announce this now. First of all, we will have a post podcast on Saturday night after All Out goes off the air. We will cover, for certain, uh, NXT TakeOver Cardiff and AEW All Out. And then starting October 2nd, when AEW and NXT go head-to-head, we are going to start doing a Wednesday Night War podcast covering both shows, which we will record Thursday mornings, because I will have to review AEW Live and then NXT afterwards. So we will record Thursday mornings, and we will have a weekly breakdown of these shows as they go head-to-head. And to see how things shake out. Jeremy, how excited are you? I mean, everyone, I hope, heard our excitement for our big AEW NXT show last week. And I I was really happy with that show. I mean, you told me you were really happy with that show. I thought we, we nailed it from multiple, multiple angles that even other podcasts that didn't I mean, take shots at other podcasts. I'll start wars with them uh, that, that other podcasts did, you know, didn't think of and stuff. And we were fortunate enough to, to do one fairly quickly after the news broke. Like we did it that night after the news broke that morning. So I can't wait for Wednesday nights. I said it last week. It's it's an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. And so the fact that the the day after, like less than 12 hours after the shows go off the air, we're going to talk about the, the shows and everybody can listen to, to our reviews of it. I, I, I'm excited because Wednesdays are going to be fun. Co- Cody said it. You know, Wednesdays are the most important night in wrestling now. And I don't disagree with him. Yeah, I am really excited for it too. I know. One thing that bothers me sometimes, I hear people bitch, and like, these are people that like have subscription websites that bitch about like, oh, there's so much to watch. I'm like, you you do realize that you're covering this and getting paid for it. Like, maybe you should have a little enthusiasm about it. And like Jeremy, I'm excited because while I don't think the Monday Night Wars were perfect, I had a blast during that time period. I used to watch with friends every Monday when I was in college. And it's just, it was a great time. And now we're getting this. We're getting a fresh company against the established WWE. And with a lot of the fresher names in NXT, there's just a lot of potential. And I think a lot of fun can be had. So I am not going to complain about it. I might get really tired covering it all, but I'm not going to complain because I plan to have a damn good time watching all this. I don't get anyone who is making money off of watching wrestling complaining about watching too much wrestling it's it's very weird to me is there a lot out there yes the majority of it is good and then there's some really great stuff and like the fact that we can make a living off of it other people can make a living off of it uh why are you complaining that there is too much the more the better because then, you know, that'll drive interest in the product and hopefully drive money into our pockets. That's right. Plus, again, and we talked about this last time, too, and we talked about just the 
the the NXT getting moved to network TV and them getting or cable and them getting rights fees so that the brand is actually going to be profitable now and the fact that it's going to it's going to give guys pay raises it's also going to give them negotiating power now with AEW as something viable on TNT this is a great time for the wrestling business because guys are going to have more choices more places to make money and that is really good and if you really love wrestling i think you want these guys and women to to make more money and get rewarded for what they're doing so yeah, just an exciting time, Jeremy. I'm super excited. Speaking of excited, Jeremy, I know you wanted to talk about ROH this last weekend. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I know. I'm just fucking with you. This uh, this is actually a bit that usually you tell me before we start recording, and you're like, "Oh, by the way, we're going to talk about ROH," and I get pissed off with you off the air. This one you did not clue me in on, and you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> No, nah, I just want to see what you say. No, they they had a solid weekend of events. The uh, the TV oh tapings were better than the uh, second night. So I watched. I I watched. Uh, the, I I didn't see all of the shows. I I watched a decent amount of the shows. The fifteen people were in attendance. No one. No one cares. Matt yeah. Taven's the champion. Mark Radulich is happy. Everyone else is pissed off. Yeah, the optics were not good in the crowd there, but um, cool. yeah. Um, the the good news is though, I will say from those shows is Lifeblood and Villain Enterprises continue to kick ass. Yeah, they, they can't catch a break though that they want to do this title change. And I know, then cursed again. PCO's out here diving on nobody on on the concrete and busting his eye open. Yeah, that was fucking nasty too, man. That was that was disgusting. Yeah, my man popped up, looked like he came out of an MMA fight, man. Yeah, that that didn't look good at all. But he's not. I guess he's a little bit human. The the match or the injury kept him from that match. So Skrull's contract is gonna run out before they can get the title off of him. I know it feels that way. So, but again, uh, Jeremy, thank you as always, brother. We will be back Saturday night late after All Out, and we will break down what we were able to watch that day. And uh, my, again, my plan is to live cover NXT TakeOver Cardiff on the site so you guys can follow or, along with that. I will also be doing live coverage at AEW All Out that evening. We will podcast afterwards. And then early Sunday morning, my plan is to get to New Japan Pro Wrestling Royal Quest because unfortunately that overlaps with TakeOver Cardiff. If they could start about two hours earlier, that would have been great. But alas, they did They can't. So... You'll you'll end up watching New Japan between the end of Takeover and the beginning. I don't actually know if you'll have time to do that. But no, 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 no. Trust me, I, I need my time out of the wheelchair and I need to eat. You'll you'll find a way, Larry. So, but uh, yeah. So again, uh, thank you all for listening. This is the four one one on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the four one one Mania website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around. We appreciate when you do leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Jeremy, anything in closing other than you love the new Taylor Swift album? That's it. Everyone, go get the new Taylor Swift album. I hear album sales are, I mean, they're, she's already, it's already the top-selling album of the year in like two days, so she's not having a problem with album sales. But everyone should get it anyway. Poor girl. Sounds like she's struggling, Jeremy. I don't know. She, she is. I don't know how she survives in this world. 
All right, again, thank you guys, and we will be back uh, late Saturday, early Sunday.